Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq Alameen, and we're broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM. And we are streaming at WCEV1450.com. For those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, keep up with us on social media. Look for us, find us, follow us, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. And also take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. That way you can check out all those previous conversations, uh, interesting guests, uh, and so on that you have missed out on. We're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and tune in and pretty much anywhere else uh look for us at radio islam usa really easy all right radio islam family uh we welcome you to another edition and i am pleased to have joining me in studio uh to talk about well the place that we all love chicago right and more and more uh we have don washington he is a government and policy expert uh particularly on issues of economic development and state violence and community engagement. And we are pleased to welcome him to the Radio Islam studio. Thanks for having me. And you know what? It always works best when I have your mic on. So welcome, oh. welcome. <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me. All right, we, we're, now we're all back. Yeah, we're, we're good now. <laughs> so um, so there, there's so much going on. Uh, in Chicago, and first, before we even get started, mm-hmm. I just want to give my condolences to the uh, to the families of the two police officers that mm-hmm. were uh, that lost their lives yesterday, uh, carrying out their their duties. I heard they were uh, uh, following a, a suspect or something, and um, ended up losing their lives on the uh, Metra uh, tracks. Right. So uh, definitely, our condolences to those families. Um, yeah, because I've got. Most of us, we know someone or, we, you know, we've got family. I've got uh, quite a few friends that are CPD uh, right, as well. Right. So, all right. So uh, that being said, this is a really interesting time for us in Chicago. Like uh, the Chinese curse interesting? <laughs> or curse well, monkey paw interesting? <laughs> no, this is, this is interesting. It almost, you know, we haven't seen, we have not seen a political landscape or people vying for our uh, top elected uh, office. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't seen this many folks in the field um, since in a we long got, since we got wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Right? That's true. That's true. I got to I have to take that back. This did happen before. That's true. That's <laughs> true. But you know what, though? But even but even then, when he ran, mm-hmm. it felt like uh, for, for many of us, it felt like it was really a, a foregone conclusion. Mm. Uh, he had uh, at the time President Obama's uh, endorsement. Mm hmm which for Chicago, for a lot of Chicago, mm-hmm. was, was enough. So it was like, yeah, you might have had a crowd of field, but it was, eh. Man, you know, really officially he never got Obama's endorsement officially. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. But that's one of them. It's like an urban myth that just lives out there, like the Loch Ness Monster or, yeah. or you know, Santa. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember seeing him, uh, what, taking up. Of course, they're in a picture together. Mm-hmm. Uh, he met him at the airport when mm-hmm. he flew into town. Um well, he certainly didn't speak against it. Did you see him campaigning for him? No. Didn't have to. Didn't. Ha- well, I'm just saying these things, the things that we assume. Yeah. That are happening. Mean, one of the things that I find fascinating right, uh-huh. is that people just assume things are so. And we just had an election season where the favorite president, the pre- favorite presidential candidate 
lost right because they just assume that that people would not see things in a certain way yeah in places like wisconsin and ohio and in pennsylvania they just assumed that we had that in the bag they had that in the bag it's in the bag and not one visit that's right well that's when not you make a bunch one, of assumptions not yeah not one visit uh and of course you wish you know wish she had a do-over for that one but yeah <laughs> but what you what you gonna do yeah but aside from the assumptions, the very real considerations yeah. that have to be brought up, uh, and I want to give a just give a shout out to um, Nikita Brar. Mm-hmm. Uh, had her in. We we had a great discussion. Um, I'm giving her a shout out because her, her organization, what is it, Citizens United for um, Equity? I believe mm-hmm. that's the name. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I find she's relevant. That's relevant in this particular uh, right. time because. The agenda that is being crafted, the agenda, the agenda that our uh, the folks that are throwing their hat in, mm-hmm. their name in a the hat, mm-hmm. these these are the the questions that they're going to have to answer. Not not just well, at least that's what I'm hoping. No, you. So here's the thing. Right. I think that you're right. Yeah. But I bet I bet three things. What's that? One, I bet that most of the people in Chicago don't know Nakia, don't know her organization. Yeah. I just bet. Mm-hmm. I bet the most people in the Chicago don't know the core propositions that she's talking about and how those things directly impact the whole city. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I bet is that there's a really good chance that the even the people who are the most well-read, most educated folks in Chicago yeah. have no sense of the issues the way that she's talking about them because the if you've been reading the press, the way the press talks about this is who has the most money, who knows the most people, who has right. the most politicos in their pocket, what, you know, what are their odds of them... What are their odds of them being based on how they are? Like, uh, there are two black women in the race. What happens to a Latina in the race? Mm-hmm. None of that stuff has anything to do with the actual material well-being of the people of the city of Chicago. Right. And no one is talking about that in real terms in our media at all. Yeah. It's distressing. Yeah. And I think coming up with an, an agenda that is community-based, based on community conversations, mm-hmm. uh, that's essential. We have these uh, forums, as we were talking you know, offline earlier, you know, you yeah. attended a couple of forums last week. Um, and I wonder if the kind of questions that are being uh, formulated in these, you know, in, in folks' living rooms, at the mm-hmm. kitchen tables, mm-hmm. are these the issues that they're talking about? Are they talking about for, for people who have school-aged children yeah and they want to have a voice they want to they want an elected school board which you know we had that that was a referendum see we had a referendum that says we want an elected school board right how many candidates have you heard talking about it and how many media people have you heard talking about the candidate stands on those things yeah because my you know i haven't heard hardly any candidate really talk about it um as a jumping off point yeah and whenever, I know whenever it comes up, people say, oh, yeah, I'm in favor of that. But it's right. almost like an afterthought, like an echo. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, there hasn't been much traction behind it. Uh, not, not so much just much traction, but mm. it is a it, it's a point of power. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Have you have you heard? Any, I'm because I'm, you're a media guy. You, you know, mm-hmm. the, these people. <laughs> <Some of them. laughs> have, have you have you heard anybody in the media really talking about? Um, how an elected school board would impact the city of Chicago and then getting candidates on record about how they, not just do they agree with one, but how one would function and work. No, I can't say that I have. 
Me neither. I can't say that I have. Right? But does that seem like a gritty thing that we need to know? Especially especially when you look at the fact that Chicago mm. is the only, what I understand, the only major city mm-hmm. uh, that does not have an elected school board. It's, yeah, we are, we are peculiar. Right? <laughs> uh, and then when you look around Chicago, you look at all the surrounding municipalities. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you know, everybody has an elected school board. Mm-hmm. Um, the question becomes, I think, in addition to how would it function, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, who are you accountable to, mm. right? I think it, it's a matter, if we talk about um, uh, political or civic engagement, we talk about parents taking ownership, um, you know, in the educational outcomes of their children, mm-hmm. that first starts with feeling a uh, feeling of empowerment. I agree. Right? So why would, I, I think, First and foremost, having an elected school board is going to it's going to get greater uh, participation. So do you remember how our LSCs used to be really empowered? Yeah. And so now it's they a, were hiring a, principals. That's right. Hiring, yeah. There's like a hodgepodge now. The yeah. ones the ones that are very there are some that are still very empowered mm-hmm. that still are doing all the things that they're supposed to do. Yeah. And then there's others that don't. And the only correlation that I see. Right. Mm-hmm. Is. The more economically stable that you are as an LSC, th- those folks are not giving up power. Right. They're just making decisions. Yeah. Right? And the further away you get, the more um, people who are closer to the bottom economically, mm-hmm. who are more desperate and can't be as engaged, have less and less power. Yeah. Right? And they're making less and less decisions. But I bring that up in, re- in uh, the frame that deals with... Um, the elected school board in this very important sense. An elected school board is only going to be as powerful as people are engaged in it. Yeah. Right? So when you hear people saying they're in favor of an elected school board, it's really important that you then understand, they then have a plan for how they keep people engaged, how they make people engage. Because we know people's children are the most precious thing to them. Right? Right? These school, local school councils, right, were stripped of their power by powerful interests that did not care that they cared about their children. Remember all those schools that got closed, yeah, right? That's right. All the schools that got charterized or remediated or um, reconstituted. I mean, we could go on and on and on. Yeah. But people loved their children, right, and fought for them. And those things still happened to them because they were disempowered, right? by folks that were more interested in like extracting wealth from our schools. Yeah, absolutely. So there's no reason to think that our elected school board won't fall prey to the same forces Mm -hmm. if there's not a really intentional idea about like how that thing functions. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. There there has to be an element of of how how this thing is going to function from day to day, who Mm -hmm. who the stakeholders are and, and not from a really generic sense of if you're a parent, you're a stakeholder, right? right? Uh, right. It's got to it's got to go a bit further than that because one of the shortcomings, well, I, I guess you, it depends on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. As far as the LSEs went, you could only be on the LSE as a parent. No, right? there, well, no there, they had community there were, there were, members some as well, right? Because I was on an LSC early on mm-hmm. as a community member for like one term, and then I just didn't have time. Yeah. Um, was was there? I thought there was a like a stipulation for for parents 
or there was a certain amount of community members. So I will just straight up own the fact that I have not thought about how the LSEs were are composed in years, only because they've lost <laughs> a lot of power and they're no longer really relevant to a great degree. Yeah, and the only reason the only reason that it came up for me was um, this has to be twenty five years or so mm -hmm. ago. Um, I went to a meeting for LSC. Okay. And it was uh, say something to the fact that you can be on as a parent, but only throughout your child's duration um, in the school. In the school, that's interesting. I never heard that, but I might don't know. Have, might have been right. You know, it might be off. That's a long time ago, right? Well, I but, think the other thing to know is that not only was a long time ago, yeah. but the fact that you know we're pretty smart guys. We were both engaged enough to like. I was on one. You were trying mm -hmm. to be on one or on one. Yeah. And. The rules were so um, unclear, diffused, mm -hmm. right? Not focused like a elected school board could be. Yeah. That here we are trying to talk about it. We're not sure what the base <laughs> rules are for it, right? Because there, there haven't been base rules for them in a long time. Excellent, right? excellent. Well, I think the the more salient point here is uh, is that even for whatever failings that were present with uh, LSCs, True. Um, that they could also replicate themselves even with um, residents getting their wish mm -hmm. of having an elected school board, mm -hmm. right? If, to your point, there's not, they're not mechanisms, they're not processes already in order uh, to make sure that it, it's not just a rubber stamp. Yeah, think about when you voted for judges. Yeah. Right? Now, some people on their game by judges. Mm-hmm. In fact, this may have been the first election where I think we had some judges that didn't get retained because some people were on their game yeah, about judges. Yeah, openly campaigned right? against Which yeah, I thought was, that that was brilliant. I was like, these people, these are my people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. But there is no reason why LSC elections, LSC, local elected school board elections might not feel the same way. And we should remember, right, that past practice right is probably the best predictor of future uh performance yeah so we know that in chicago money and influence just you know it, you know they're like the 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 twin sisters of, of horror and nightmare right yeah they show up they take over our, our elected spaces mm -hmm. and the other thing that we know is um traditionally right traditionally local school boards have been sort of incubators for all sorts of nightmarish things, right? Because mm -hmm. there's like the lowest level of power people are least interested in it, and it's really easy to just take them over. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, l let, me, let me turn and ask you something in the vein of economic, uh, the economic future sure. of Chicago. So we know that we're coming up on a uh, uh, ramp year uh, payment for the uh, pension. Yes. Uh, and that's going to be something that the incoming administration, incoming mayor is going to have to, you know, they're going to have to square that up. How, how are they going to respond to that? Mm -hmm. There have been a few things, uh, I think recently, maybe a week or two ago, the uh, the talk of the Chicago Casino. Oh, it's not it starts. Help. Yeah, it starts. You know, they resurface with that. Um, what do you think um, is going to be the approach that, whoever is the next mayor, what's the approach that they're going to have to take just for this one issue? We haven't even talked about economic development or anything, but just in terms of this uh, pension issue. So I am not an expert on pensions, right? Like I, so sure. I know how they function. Mm -hmm. So there are a couple of things that I, I try and keep, keep in my head about pensions is that 
they get in trouble over time right. and they get fixed over time because you're paying people out over time. Mm-hmm. So one plan for so one of the solutions always is try to make your solutions take time, right? So That's lot, common sense wisdom, right? So there. a lot of this ramp business, like we're gonna pay a bunch up front and all that stuff. A lot of that stuff just gets you into all sorts of like trouble. Yeah, His, you can you can study other places that do that sort of thing. We're gonna make a big payment, and like things happen to, to make you have to pay again earlier. Yeah, right. So so let's just take a step back, mm-hmm. right? And think about um, what's the best way to address our pension problem. So, first of all, like, what is a pension? Like, what is it? Right. Um, it, it's a it's a future payment. It's a, it's, it's, it's well, a future income. Let's it's, be clear. It's a deferral. Yeah. Right. Of immediate payment with the promise. I'm like, I'm only gonna pay you five dollars. I'm yeah. gonna keep two dollars, and then you get to have the two dollars in interest right. over time when you can no longer work. Right. So when you cut a pension, what are you really doing? You're cutting uh, your future. You're stealing money from people that lent you money. You notice it says stealing, not cutting, but stealing. Stealing money from people who lent you money on the promise Mm -hmm. that when they could no longer economically participate to make wealth, that you would take care of them because they've worked for that pension. It ain't a gift. Right. It's what they've earned. It's what they've earned. Right. Mm -hmm. They trusted you. Right. Right. So when you start hearing about we're going to cut that pension, what you're really saying is we want to steal money from people that we borrowed it from. They've already given it. Right. They've already taken it from so, them. So what did they steal that money for? Where'd it go? It didn't just go into the ether. Mm-hmm. It didn't dissolve and like, you know, it's not like kryptonite hit it. It died. Right. Right. <laughs> so every time you look around and see a tax break, that's just money being given away to people to do things, supposedly. Right. Right. So that money, some of that money is pension money. Mm. You just got to remember they're linked up. It's government money. It's not like the, it's not like there's a trough that has little um, dividers. This is pension money. Somebody's got to pay. Right? right. So unless you create a way to protect pension money, it, it, it can just get stolen. So, so that's probably, well, not probably, that's the first thing that has to be looked at. Do you how, do you secure, how do you secure these pension funds? Well, so now you're looking at, like, taxes. Yeah. Right? Who do you tax? Whom do you take this money from? What will they do if you take the money from them? So, you know, these are, that's sort of a weighty question. Um, a guy, uh, what is the Center for Tax and Budgeting? Mm-hmm. David, uh, Ralph Martiri's group. Okay. They have some pretty good ideas about what to do with pensions. I mean, they're, I mean, so I would have him on to talk about this in detail because he can tell you like some great ideas. Okay, well, do, I'm just giving you some core, like some core thoughts about how to think about it. Yeah. Well, well, let's 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 segue into um, economic development because you know we're talking about, like I said, this is a particularly interesting time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we got a lot of folks that mm-hmm. want to be mayor. How are they going to respond to, or how should they be responding to uh, questions along the lines of economic development, and uh, on the south side, on the west side? Uh, communities um, that have been basically victims of willful neglect, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in large parts of these communities. What, what's what is the what's the play here? What's the playbook? How how are, how are they going to respond, or well, what can they do? Whenever I hear economic development, the first thing I think is economic development for who? That's a great question, right? Who are you helping? 
let's let's situate this <laughs> in in making healthy communities, healthy okay. existing those residents of those communities who are already there. Um, how do we bring economic uh, development? How do we stimulate mm -hmm. the economy mm -hmm. in those areas where we, we got walkable communities in the city? There's look, right? there's a lot of communities in the a city. A lot of them. Well, okay, let's, so when I think about, um, okay, Washington Park, right? yeah. that's a physical place, yeah. right? Now, the Obama, the Obama uh, presidential library is coming. Right. It ain't leaving. It's coming. No. Right? And its footprint is going to be right on top of Washington Park, right? Amongst mm. other neighborhoods. But that's going to be like, like you know, when, that, when Godzilla puts his foot down, they're going to be the dudes going, Godzilla! <laughs> right? Come out of the water, the whole deal, right? Right. So, all right. Already, there are people running around trying to buy people's houses. Yeah. Right? That's happening. I've seen it happen. I've been, I've been in someone's house when the door got knocked on. A nice cat in a suit was like, "Hey man, how much you think your house is worth?" Mm. <laughs> I was like, "This is like a cartoon." Yes, this cannot is really be, happening. This cannot. I am present when I'm seeing something. I'm seeing someone steal someone's house right in front of my eyes. Yeah. Now they were like, oh, "We're not selling our house," but it was you know, guy gave a card, the whole deal. Mm -hmm. Should have been on my game. I should have got a hold of that car. But <laughs> I just, but I just, I just was kind of shocked. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's already happening, right? And I, I gotta assume he's not the only one. There's gotta be of a lot of not. dudes doing that, right? It's gotta be, like you know, like a roll time planned kind of thing. Yeah. So um, I'm wandering far afield. Let me focus. So, if you want people to stay, they have to have two things: one, work. Right. Right. And then two, a place where they can put money back into the community. So that money can be both private industry and physical um, infrastructure and, and public dollars. Right. Mm -hmm. So if there's going to be an Obama library, there should be a public school tied to it. Mm. Maybe some public libraries tied to it. Right. Yeah. There well, it's, right, be, it's part of it is right across the street from my my former high school. Oh, look at that. High Park. Right. So let's make sure yeah. that Hyde Park High School is benefiting from that thing being there. Yeah. Right? And that the, the, the parents of those students are benefiting from that thing being there. The footprint of that thing is supposed to mean jobs. So already the, the Obama library guys refuse to get into a CBA. Like they're fighting the CBA. Let's be clear. They Break down the CBA fighting for it. those who, who are not... It's just a community benefits agreement. Yeah. And all, almost all those things that they come with are like short-term construction jobs. Mm -hmm. And when I say short-term, it's like the laborers, like the laborers, guys that carry yeah. bricks. But really good ones also build in like skill and like union cards, right? Mm -hmm. um, then they come with like long-term pieces like if this business is here, X number of people, X percentage of people from these businesses have got to be from, the, from this zip code or area code, whatever it is, right? right? From the footprint of the thing. And that's a big footprint, right? So then um, really like great CBAs, right, are also tied to other benefits that the community can get. Like if you're a business that opens up in the area that's attached to this thing, you have to hire folks or you have to um, cater to folks with um, all, all kinds of like uh, deals and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But the bottom of it is a community benefits agreement is only as good one, as the people who are negotiating it, right? And two, as people think about it like a long-term situation, 
Because what you really want to do is you want to build in like neighborhood stability. Right. So neighborhoods are anchored in schools and businesses. Right. And we've seen what has happened to uh, the the vast majority of those schools. Those what fifty? Was yeah, fifty fifty one. Uh, some would say fifty four. Yeah. I I I used to know that number like by heart. Yeah, but that were closed were yeah. in communities like the Washington Park. That's right. Uh, neighborhood like Woodlawn. Um, so ergo, the lack of stability. So so let's also remember that one reason why that's that place is appealing is that the neighborhood is weak. Yeah. Right. And, and it doesn't mean the people aren't strong. It just means that they lack the political power to really put pressure. They need help. Right. Right. And there's a lot of good people down there that are going toe to toe with those guys trying to get a CBA. Mm-hmm. But even the CBA is just the beginning. The city itself is responsible for making sure like that they shouldn't be fighting with this. They shouldn't be fighting with the Obama um, Foundation. The city of Chicago and the state of Illinois should be fighting with the Obama Foundation mm. because they're the people who are going to wind up having to deal with the care and feeding of this place long after Barack Obama has passed on. Right. Right? Yeah. So why are we not seeing this thing create some public infrastructure that we need? Mm. Right? Why is that not part of the deal? Hmm. Well, leaving it, leaving it once again to a, to a uh, as you say, it's a politically weak community to mm-hmm. have to advocate for itself mm-hmm. um it's a lot of bad stuff going on and i don't think any of it uh is happenstance um yeah i, I mean, think yeah. pick the pick it you, you pick off the people that you can yeah yeah so um but i still go back to the idea if i look over in inglewood mm-hmm. uh you see how uh kennedy king the, you know it's over there they got a new a whole foods over there now yeah, it's uh, not for the people that live there now. Of Come course on, not. It's for other people. <laughs> but why, why you want to be like that? Bring up something that people can't have. You know that. But there has to be a strategy. <laughs> and not, not necessarily a big box strategy, right? But a strategy that's going to empower, uh, that's going to uh, encourage small business uh, uh, ownership and, and production in these communities. And that's not something that I have, have seen Well, uh, as a city you know, as a part of any administration, at mm-hmm. least not at least not really promoted. Well, it's there's something to think about. I so there are a couple of things that that we should just raise up to think about, right? Mm-hmm. In a neighborhood that's been really denuded of people, yeah, right? Because you know you can track gentrification and displacement to some of these neighborhoods, but also. You know, um, you're leaking population because guys can't, people can't afford to live in places, right? Um, or they've been, even if they have, like, say, for example, let's say you were a janitor mm-hmm. when Rom came in. And the first thing that happened was they privatized those contracts. So now your $40,000, your janitorial job with insurance has become like a 15, uh, I'm a 25, we'll call it $25,000 a year job yeah. with no insurance, mm-hmm. right? So you can't afford your house. And then we had, like right on top of that, we had the predatory loan thing, which had been eating people alive, right? Yeah. So yeah. now you just lost like half your income. It's like a salary bomb, mm-hmm. right? So first you got hit in the face with um, your arm. Then... <laughs> Your job, 
you know, you lost like ten, fifteen thousand dollars worth of income and no insurance. So you're gone. Right. Right? Now, so let's be clear, in some neighborhoods, especially working class neighborhoods, black and brown working class neighborhoods, the very people who might have the skills to run a small business maybe ain't in them anymore. Good point. Right? Good point. So you see people, and you, and you see the echoes of that all the time. You see other folks come into these, bis- these communities and open up businesses because they have the skills and the capacity to do that. And not just the skills, but more importantly, the, the access to money to do that. Yeah. Right? The access to, to cash to do that. So you would have to have, and I don't get me wrong, you'd have to have a, co- a sense of cooperative economics, right? Mm-hmm. That would have to be about bringing people together with money and ideas to open small businesses but even that you'd have to have like a line of credit right the city would have to become interested right Mm -hmm. in being like a lending you need like a public bank right right yeah see what i'm saying so you would need to really think about it in those terms let me ask you is there and i know we got a lot of folks that are running Mm-hmm. Right. But out of out of those folks, do you know of any candidate right now that is thinking along those lines? So. I cannot endorse a candidate. Sure. I'm not allowed to do that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, I will tell you that um, the only one that's talking about a municipal bank that I'm aware of is uh, Amara Inya. So I'm at a municipal bank. Mm-hmm. Um, the other ones are thinking about economic development. And I, I want to be really clear about this when I say for who. When you start talking about we're going to have low-income loans and we're going to have um, uh, we're going to have TIFs and we're going to make sure that we can make it easier if people have access to capital, a lot that you're talking about are people who are set up to take advantage of that, right? And what you wind up what winds up happening a lot is you wind up with like big box take advantage of it, right? Um, other like hedge funds take advantage of it to bring in the types of businesses they want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, business, just because I've, let's say I have a great idea for a small business, right? Yeah. I have the best small business that you've ever thought of. Well, if I open it in a community where there's no one that can buy anything. What's the point? What is the point, right? So, you know, you even if I clustered five or six small businesses all together to create an economic zone, a lot of those zones have not worked because the neighborhoods around them, right, don't, have the infrastructure to support them so if you're talking about a small business okay here's an idea and other places have done this mm-hmm. I'm going to open a small business but my small business is, is attached to like a school or it's attached to a public, li- a li- a public library and there's a small business that caters to folks that come in and out of there like it's a cafe or it's a restaurant whatever it is right. those two things reinforce each other right but it's tied to a public good that's not going nowhere. Right. One of the things that we have seen is the public, what's the one public service that gets flooded into every neighborhood in the south and west side? Can't miss them. Public service? It's a public service. Can't miss them. They're everywhere. Cops. Gar- I was about to say garbage trucks. Cops. <laughs> yeah. Right? Okay. So what is the public service that police provide? Well, they protect property and first then property right and then they interact with people how's that going Mm. just got another thousand uh police officers i think on the uh 
or on the street. Um, but How we're still is that having going? A, we have an abysmal um, homicide, rec- you know, closure rate. Right. Uh, what yeah. else is happening? How are people? Re- how are people relating to officers? Not good. It's not healthy. Right. So we're pouring police assets mm-hmm. into neighborhoods, and it's helping to destabilize neighborhoods. It's not the police's fault. Police are not designed to create stability in neighborhood. They're res- they're designed to respond to things that are happening in neighborhoods. Mm. Right. That's a system. That's a system uh, issue. That's that's a systematic issue. So if you're going to do economic development, right, mm-hmm. you got to pour different public resources into those neighborhoods. So let's say we decide that what we do instead, like we also close a bunch of mental health centers, right? Huge. We closed a bunch of public health centers. Mm-hmm. We just, these are a bunch of things we just did. Yeah. And we replaced them with police resources. Mm-hmm. So we're getting what you would expect to have happen. Right. Right. So if you want to do economic development, you have to create public goods that you can anchor them around because you have to create neighborhoods that are stable enough for people to be able to participate in the economics. This is like a Maslow situation. Yeah. Right. And in addition to the the point you uh, mentioned about how that that public job became a private job Mm -hmm. where you now you're either a vendor, a contractor or a temporary employee Mm -hmm. and you are working, you're making 30, 40 percent less than you were making before and now doing it with no benefits. That is not a that's not a Chicago problem. That's a national. That's a right. It's a global. Yeah, yeah, it's a global problem. So that also goes to uh, finding ways to reverse this particular uh, trend mm-hmm. so or find or finding different ways to provide the services that we get from benefits from well, workplace benefits well let's be really clear we are there's a word for this precariat mm, precariat right mm-hmm. that's like a middle class person that's middle class because they work every day like a dog but they don't really have any benefits they are really close like they're one disaster away from being not middle class Probably half the country, right? That well, it's I think it's sixty five percent of the country. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I, I read that uh, that stat like a year ago. Okay. So, um, you know, and it's from the Economic Policy Institute, so I think it's probably a good good stat. Yeah. Um, but that that being said, um, when you're talking about a precariat, these are also not folks that you can count on to really like you know create stability and economic development is we don't we think about it in a capitalist sense and not in sense of like a community sense we just don't think about it in a community sense yeah. you think about it in a community sense it starts with having a community that's able to support a business mm-hmm. it doesn't it's not biz, it, you got to remember it doesn't work backwards like just think about how gentrification works it's a poor community, and then people with means move into the community and buy stuff, and then they homestead for a bit, and then eventually there's enough of them who are hanging around to where some business comes in there to cater to them, and then they go to that business. And then if they stay there long enough, they start demanding different types of public services, mm-hmm. right? They start demanding that the library gets built or that it gets better or that the school has better resources in it because they may want kids. They start putting pressure on those things, right? Mm -hmm. The businesses follow the dollars. You don't open a restaurant and hope someone shows up. 
you open a restaurant because you have carefully researched that there are people there that right. will go there. Yeah. Right? So, so it's like a chicken egg situation? Nope. It ain't that. It's not like we don't know. We do know. We know that if you, the, there's a reason why businesses clustered, restaurants, you know restaurants cluster together, did you know that? Yeah, I was just, just about to say, you open a business when you see a business already opened. Yeah. You know, they cluster together because you can't get in the one, you go to the other one, you try it out. Right. Right? Right. Um, so the smart play would be, if you want to do economic development, is who is talking about how they're going to revitalize, like, our schools? Or revitalize, revitalize some of our other public services, right? Right. Who is going to help people buy houses? Mm. Who's going to stabilize a housing stock? Is there some plan somewhere to um, make our banks that are sitting on all these foreclosed properties disgorge them or I, I repair to, them? I would love to see that one. Is there? Because if there's not, why would you move into a place where everything around you falling apart? Right. Right? So, you know, you got to think about economic, if you want to think about economic development, mm -hmm. you got to think about how you use the tools of public policy to compel the people who've extracted that wealth to bring it back. Hmm. Hmm. So, how, I, I wonder, with, uh, with banks holding uh, vacant property, mm -hmm. and basically they just pay the taxes on them, Sometimes. Or they're just using them as a, as a write-off. Sometimes. Right? Right. Um, what's the compelling argument or what's the, the, the policy that needs to be uh, enacted to, to help take those properties away from the uh, contributing to blight? Well, we've had, I mean, there are laws in the books. Oh, really? Okay. That, that people could enforce. But that means fighting with banks. Right. Right. That means fighting with like uh, Chase, Manhattan, right. right? Those These are the dudes who set the economy on fire and nothing happened to them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think one of them even refused to go testify before Congress. I'm not going to that. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, you know, I think our next mayor, right, is going to have to be willing to take some of that on. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that's going to happen. But yeah. that they're gonna have to, because if they don't, then it doesn't matter how much economic development they talk about, right. because you, you have you, you, and I, and probably people listening to the sounds of our voice, have gone through neighborhoods where, like, you know, there's whole sections where, you know, foreclosed, for sale, and then you look at the thing and it says foreclosed or for sale, and like there's a hole in the roof and all the windows are knocked in, and yeah. sometimes they're fenced in and sometimes they're not, mm -hmm. right? You know, it's random. And um, there was a big thing that happened. God, I wish I would have, I wish I would have um, boned up on this. There's a big thing that happened a few years ago where um, the city of Chicago just sort of decided to not force our banking friends to, to um, secure and or deal with this, uh, these vacant, these not, well, I don't want to call them vacant, this, this property that they have in their possession. Right. Right. So we need a we need a mayor who's willing to address that or it's going to be really hard to do economic development. Right. Because, again, right. like we said, you have public goods, you have people move into places or people that are in places that want to protect those goods that have the income to support a businesses. Businesses show up. 
I mean, that's how this works. You don't build a business and things get better. You build a community and businesses thrive in it. Right, right. Well, we've got a lot to <laughs> we we have a lot to uh, uh, to think about. That is not just as simple as the tagline of economic development. There's a lot that goes into that. True that. A whole lot. Um, Don, we appreciate you taking the time. Hope it was helpful. In. Absolutely, absolutely. And I hope I hope that uh, that that you're in again. I'll come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and next time we're gonna do we'll, we'll do the full we'll do a full hour. Okay. Right. <laughs> I guess we're gonna have to call it call it quits now. Fair enough. All right, but but before we do, before we get out of here, I want you to go ahead and please share with the Radio Slime family. Uh, let them know how they can keep up with you on uh, social media. Uh, my uh, Twitter handle is Doctor Obsidian, spelled D R Obsidian. Hmm. That's a conversation too, right there. Fair enough. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that next time. Thank you, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right, Radio Sound family, uh, we're going to take a short break, but we will be back in a few. This is Radio Islam, and uh, we're on WCEV 1450 AM. Excuse me. I know you have a nine o'clock, so I'll keep this short. I'm the business suit in the back of your closet. You wore me nearly every day before your office went, quote, casual. I used to be the CEO of your closet. Now I'm just that one intern no one ever talks to. I always thought you'd circle back with me, get granular, keep me in the pipeline. But nada, nothing. Don't you remember the McKittrick presentation? You spilled coffee on me and I still looked amazing during the breakout talkback Q&A. So I think it's time for me to move on. I've got a great resume and I absolutely crush it in interviews, okay? Let's make this a clean break. Shift the paradigm. The only thing I ask is that you think outside the box here and do this. Take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create new jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. The Syrian Community Network, with offices nationwide, serves its Chicago area clients from its Northside location, located at 5439 North Broadway. They provide housing, social services, education, basic human needs, and food security. The Syrian Community Network has Arabic-speaking staff and is a partner organization of the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights. You can get more info by calling area code 872 806-0141. That's area code 872-806-0141 or by visiting their website at syriancommunitynetwork.org. You might know me, I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedinamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent, and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back. 
Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen, and we are broadcasting on WCEB 1450 AM, streaming at WCEB1450.com. Remember, folks, keep up with us on social media. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. And also take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. You'll find us on SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn, and Apple Podcasts. So all you Apple users, make sure that you're subscribing, rating, and reviewing. We'd love to hear from you. Um, for those of you who may not know, you can always stop by RadioSlam.com. Uh, and there you will find uh, guest bios, uh, links to uh, articles, um, info, and, you know, info about any upcoming events and things that you as a Radio Slam family member would like to uh, keep up with. So, uh, that being said, we find ourselves uh, closing out 2018, uh, getting ready, hopefully optimistically, uh, you know, encouraged by the uh, arrival of 2019 and not lamenting over uh, the passing of 2018. Uh, but this is a time where uh, basically many of us, we take stock of how the previous year or the current year is closing out, uh, how it's gone for us. And uh, and we think about this upcoming year. We think about what are the things that we want to do differently? Uh, what can we do better? And uh, it's not necessarily resolutions right because uh, i'll say this quickly on a on a personal note i don't really do resolutions not yearly resolutions uh, if i'm gonna make a change it's really at that moment when i see something and, and i try to work on that uh but what i want to share with you is just some of the great content uh well one of the pieces of great content that you will find at soundvision.com as you all know uh well if you don't know and you're new to the program radio slam is a soundvision production so if you go to soundvision.com, you will find topics, just a broad, broad uh, spectrum of, of topics that are covered there. I mean, anything from dua, from education, uh, entertainment, um, issues on uh, topics of um, uh, articles related to mental health um, and, you know, activism and humanitarian causes and uh, the prophet's life and uh, interfaith and just, I mean, everything, just so much. But one of the articles, the article that I want to talk with you about a bit right now as we close out for well, with today's program, written by uh, Samana Siddiqui, uh, it is 10 things every Muslim must do in 2019. And I'm going to bet even before I share all of, uh, you know, share what I'm going to be able to in the time we have, that there are going to be things in here that if you're a Muslim or even if you're not a Muslim, that you're going to hear and say, yes, you know, I, I can do those things. These things make sense and I would benefit from those things. So as I said, go to soundvision.com. You can read the article in its entirety. If we don't have enough time to get through uh, these uh, th through these 10 things. But number one, strengthening your relationship with God. Not surprised by that one iota. Right. This is uh, certainly something that is a bedrock for all people of faith. So strengthening, strengthening your relationship with God. Faith does not stay at one level. Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, may Allah have mercy upon him, said, Iman is speech and action. Iman, faith, right? It's speech and action. It increases and decreases. If you perform good deeds, it increases. And if you do wrong, it decreases. At a time when there is so much pressure and stress on Muslims, we need to draw strength from our enhanced relationship with the Creator. 
While some might need clinical assistance for mental illness, all can benefit from a praying connection with our Lord. Uh, so important there, right? And this also kind of goes back to another conversation. If you um, if, if you heard our conversation with a mental health advocate, uh, blogger, uh, uh, Sakina Kaiser, uh, who's there was a book written about her and her own um, her own experience with mental illness. <clears throat> um, uh, what is it? I can't think of the title, but you can go if you go, you know, go if you subscribe to the podcast, go back and listen to that. Uh, but it's important that it's brought up the point that some will need clinical assistance, right, for mental illness to get the treatment that they need. But all of us, whatever your situation is, can benefit from a praying connection with our Lord. All right, she goes on to say sabr, uh, patience, uh, consistency, and salat, prayer, are two methods Allah has given us to achieve a better relationship with him. Uh, she goes on to say there are so many ways to strengthen our connection to him this year, and these include one improving the quantity of uh improving the quantity of our five daily prayers making sure that you're actually making all five prayers uh and this is not knocking anybody right you you meet people where they are if you're if you're just making three right now you know the goal in order to get to five you got to go to four first right so um the goal is to make all five all right but we want to improve want to we want to get to that five so wherever you are if you're two get to three and then get yourself to four. And, you know, it, this we work uh, in stages, but the goal is for us to be making all five of those daily prayers, inshallah. Uh, making dua for things both big and small. Uh, praying, right? When you open up that connection, you open up your, uh, your heart and your mind, realizing that uh, God, that Allah is the provider, right? He's the provider for all things, those things we can see and those things we, that we don't see. Uh, three, making more frequent and larger charitable donations. And this is a, a wonderful re reminder that we're going to be on the day of uh, the day of reckoning, our day of uh, being held to account. We'll be held to account for how we spent uh, our, 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 our money. And we'll also be held to account for how we spent our time. We'll be held to account for how we have invested our knowledge. Uh, but when it comes to our finances, this is also a wonderful reminder, making more frequent and larger charitable donations, because we know the more we give, the more actually the more we have. And we we get so that we can give uh, Four, reconnecting with Quran. Um, I don't think I even need to really. Yeah, I'm just going to move on. Identifying and working on dropping one bad habit. Now, this because I'm a person who. Uh, honestly believes that the product of religion is upright individuals. So whatever your religion, whatever your faith tradition is, the the end product when it comes to character uh, and, and the habits that we have, uh, you know, it's, it should be almost indistinguishable. Um, but as it comes to the bad habits, and we all have bad habits, um, this is this is something that we should look at, you know, just like with the prayers. You want to get to all five daily prayers. Um, we can also, but you have to go through, you go through steps, right? You don't wake up in the morning praying Isha prayer. You wake up in the morning, you pray Fajr and you, inshallah, you know, you make it through the day and you get to Isha prayer, get to the Isha and you're able to offer that. Uh, and if the same goes for the habits, you can identify five or six bad habits that you have, but it's not likely that you're going to be able to 
just drop them all at the same time. Sustainability and what's manageable. Identify and work on that one habit and get that out. Get it solid and then move on to the next one. Uh, number two, take care of your health. Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, said a strong believer is better than a weak believer. Uh, this does not just apply to spirituality, but to our physical state as well. He also said there are two blessings which many people waste, health and free time. That was um, uh, included in uh, Bukhari or related by Bukhari. Uh, commit to exercising more, even if that is parking your car further so you can walk more. Really simple. Really simple. Or choose other simple ways to get some uh, exercise in to build a build stronger health. Take care of any health issues you may have been neglecting and make an appointment for that annual physical to make sure you get into top shape. Um, now, we know we could go into this particular um, particular point of health. We could really dive into this. Um, but we'll just say this. Looking at our diets, what we eat, beginning there um, in, in conjunction with exercise, that's extremely critical. Uh, a lot of the illnesses that we have are diet related. So that's something that we can certainly um, and not so, we can certainly look at and not so much just about taking stuff out, but adding on, you know making it a point to I'm going to eat more salads. I'm going to eat more veg green vegetables. I'm going to eat more leafy greens. I want to, you know, the I'm going to is, is, uh, add on as opposed to I'm not going to do this. I think that's also a lot more sustainable when it comes to making changes. Okay, uh, number three, make calls, many. In December 2018, the U.S. House of Representatives voted in favor of House Resolution 1091, a bipartisan measure that declares the Burmese military atrocities against the Rohingya Muslims minority genocide. This was passed with the help of Americans across the country doing one thing, making a phone call. With the guidance and encouragement of Burma Task Force, which issues regular action alerts, supporters call their elected representatives to vote in favor of this resolution. We are blessed to live in a democracy as flawed as it may be, we are blessed to be able to have a say in what policies affect not just us, but others around the world. And all it takes is a phone call. In 2019, resolve to take this small step that has long-term positive repercussions for you, your family, and others around the world. Number four, revive your marriage. The divorce rate among Muslims in North America has risen sharply over the last 25 years. It is clear that we need to work harder on building lasting and satisfying unions that reflect the Islamic ideal, not cultural norms that may be unfair to either spouse. In 2019, if you are married, commit to building a stronger partnership, one that reflects the ideal marital relationships of Rahmah, mercy, and Muadda, love. As described in the Quran in chapter 30, Verse 21, whether that means attending couples and or individual counseling, apologizing for past mistakes and making amends or just planning date nights where you and your better half enjoy time away from children and other responsibilities on a regular basis. Make an effort to strengthen your bond with your spouse. Um, and the divorce rate among Muslims, it. It, uh, it it parallels the divorce rate among non-Muslims in America. So, you know, I think we got, got about a 50% divorce rate going on right now uh, in the U.S. Uh, number 
Let me see. Well, how much time do we have? Um, I think we have time for... Okay, we'll say one more. And I'm going to skip down to... Well, two more. Number six, choose a candidate to vol volunteer for in 2020. If you are unhappy about the state of our government, the time to start working on this is not 2020, but a full year ahead of that. It will take a tremendous amount of time, money, and effort to turn this around because the chances of a different party taking the helm at this writing are slim. Find a candidate you feel best represents your interests and needs and book an appointment to meet them in person. Wonderful, wonderful advice. Meet them in person. State why you support them and ask how you can help their campaign. And uh, last one I want to say is number seven, reach out to your neighbors. Reaching out is not just about uh, mashed open doors and interfaith dialogue groups. It happens in many casual encounters and we often miss the opportunities during a child's softball practice, while cheering with other parents at the grocery store, checkout line, uh, while being part of a sports team or exercise class. Uh, and, and she goes on to just give so many more reasons and uh, so many more settings. But you can you get you get the point here, right? Uh, reach out to our neighbors. Uh, this is even more important in 2019 at a time when America is polarized at alarming levels based on politics and other markers uh, and which really is a result of people not knowing one another, uh, people making uh people jumping to a conclusion, making assumptions about where people are. So you can go to salvage.com to read the entire article by Samana Siddiqui. Uh, it is a wonderful, uh, wonderful recommendations for 2019. And I hope you uh, read it all. Let us know what you think. Uh, and with that, uh, we are going to, uh, yeah, we're going get to on, get on out of here. Our hour is about up. So we thank our sponsors, the Cop Foundation US. We thank our engineers over at WCEV for making sure we come through loud and clear. I'm your host and producer, Tariq Alameen. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. And we remind you that the views expressed by the host and or guest are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. And with that, good people, we leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Thank you.